This is the I'm Stuff podcast, a podcast about mental health around food, training, lifestyle, and mindset. I'm your host, Queenie June Borgman, and in today's episode, episode 11, we are talking about mom and how she influenced your eating pattern. Okay, guys, this episode is personal. And personal in a way, not only for me, because I'm including my mom, but also very personal for you. I'm asking you to look further than yourself. And maybe some of the people that are listening to this always only look at other people to blame for their eating disorder or external factors and never look at themselves. But I know there are a lot of people that only look at themselves and not look in their environment how things came to be. So for both groups, this episode really is something for you. There's something that I need to get off my chest before I start this episode. And that is that I use the title, How Your Mom Can Influence Your Eating Pattern, or how she did that at least. And I am very much aware of the fact that not everybody has a mom. And not everybody was brought up with a mom. So it could maybe be your dad or your big sis or big brother or auntie, grandmother, stepmom, you know, you name it. And these people have influenced you in a certain way as well, either positive or negative in the way you eat. And that was something that I wanted to get off my chest because I'm not excluding them. They just didn't fit in a title. So that was that part that I want to, you know, say and tell you all another thing is is that before i start with this episode and you know how i am i always ask you to either share comment or follow the podcast in whatever platform you are because the podcast means a lot to people who really need to hear this so people who have disordered eating a bad relationship with food an eating disorder uh, people who their mindset is kind of fixed and they need to have some insight or enlightening to move on in their life so if you could do that that would be very nice and i am going to jump to the real podcast episode now so your mom or any other person that had a connection with you when you were small and was taking most of the time care for you is somebody that actually did a lot with you mentally without knowing and that sounds very creepy maybe you know like oh what did they do with my mind but you pick up uh, things like habits and thoughts from people around you and that actually forms you in the person you are now so your environment can very much influence you uh, in the way you're thinking uh, what you want what you like um, what your preference is stuff like that Uh, so keep that in mind and I'm not saying this only for food but also if you are very negative in thoughts or very positive or when it comes on for example, uh, which person you like, you know, is it a person with a certain tan or is it a person that doesn't have a tan or comes from a specific continent? So that is something just to make it a bit more broader than food. What I would like to give to you that you are influenced by your environment and you can change that if you work against that and program yourself with new habits and thoughts. So when it comes to a mother and eating disorder, A mother that is mostly very much busy with her appearance, 
how she looks, how much she weighs, is someone that can really nestle an eating disorder in a child. It isn't only her way, how she goes around with her body and food, it's also what she maybe serves you or her beliefs around food or how she talks to other people with a certain body type. For example, somebody, a mother that is fat shaming. These little signals that you have can or cannot nestle an eating disorder. Some things are somehow, and I'm also looking at my own experience, some things you just ignore and you're like, okay, no, that's her habit, that's her way of doing, but it doesn't fit me and I go on. But other little things maybe can be nestled without you knowing. That's just a dangerous, slippery slope because at the end of the day, when you're that busy with yourself, uh, obsessively around food or how you look, you don't know what your kid can catch up from that. I can give an example right now, and this happened last week, and I was kind of so sad about that, and that was because a little boy that I know, because uh, he's the son of one of the uh, bosses that I work for, he called me up and he was like, Queenie, I need to lose weight. And I was like, what are you saying? You're like 12 or something like that. And the thing is, is that he wanted to lose weight eventually because, okay, you know, he's a little bit more heavy, but he wanted to lose weight, not because that was the problem, but he saw his environment being such busy bees with their weight and how they look. His mom, busy with shakes to lose weight, that is something, you know, that she thinks that works, but I'm I'm not going <laughs> to shade her here, but I think you all know when I'm thinking her, uh, his dad that had a gastric bypass uh, and his brother that actually got a um, training schedule and food schedule from me a few weeks ago because he's old enough to do that. He asked for it, he was motivated, and he really wanted to bring his physique to next level. And all these influences of three people from a family of four that are busy with their weight and their appearances made that little boy from 12 years old thinking that it is normal and he should be doing it because, you know, mom, dad and my big bro are doing it as well. So that was something that I found so heartbreaking because there wasn't a problem until he thought that there was a problem with him because he saw other people doing it differently. And, you know, as a child, if you are overweight, it, of course, you know, it's not a good thing. But as a dietitian, you should never, ever put a child on a weight loss plan or XX amount of calories or even inform them about that, in my personal opinion, because you are planting the seed for disordered eating. So I told him, you know, these are the basics. Look at Fooding Centrum or in this case, in other countries, I think, you know, like, for example, my plate. This is a little bit of the basics of unprocessed food that need to be the staple of your diet. But do please have some cookies, do have some ice cream because uh, you need it. Everybody needs it mentally and it's nice to have. It's just a little bit more of the portion. As in, it's not um, a wise idea to eat a bucket of ice every week for two, three times a week. Rather have a little portion package a day. So that conversation enlightened him a bit more and made him a bit more... um, 
I would almost say tranquilo because that's always what I say, but it calmed him down. So I am was so shook because what he was actually showing is what a, what a lot of children have without even knowing, and he didn't know either. So had a talk with the parents about you know what are they doing and what they're showing and how they should not you know keep that near him because he has another life he's another goal and he doesn't face the same problems that they face with their health and health wise so what i just described and in this case there were both parents is how a parent can influence you with their diet regime actually Another thing that I always see a lot nowadays, especially when you talk about suburban peeps and peeps that have a lot of money or good financial base, is that they are so afraid that their child becomes overweight that they undernourish them. And the children are actually underweight for their age and length, uh, but the parents have a certain way of thinking what is health. So they deprive them from cookies, snacks, um, they only give for example they don't give bread anymore because they think it's bad and they only give rice crackers also very much something that is a bad influence for later on because if the child can choose over its own foods and they never had anything that they really wanted because the parents were so obsessed with health they are gonna get the whole 10 yards when they are having their own allowance for the first time in high school or are at uni and can eat whatever they want. And believe me, a lot of the times that freshman 15, uh, so for the Dutchies, you, it's actually translated in you gaining 7.5 kgs almost when you go to the first year of your university, is translated because you know of you not having the freedom in your food. And also because you're trying to establish a new way of eating that fits you and then you're bringing all that information together what you got from friends what you got from family mom dad what you really want and you're actually developing your new food identity and that is such a fragile face it's a face that i've been in the first time and i did not went through it well uh, eventually getting an eating disorder so really really watch out as a parent how you translate it to a child in my personal opinion you should give your child everything what they want uh, in limited amounts and also give them the um how would you say that in dutch we would say autonomiteit so give them that self-reassurance that if they choose a certain product or they want to make something some food that they're doing a good job give them that um don't give them that low self-esteem by always taking everything out of hands and not not letting them making any choices around food because that choices around food it's giving them their identity around food and i'm not saying that identity should be uh, your your food not by all means but that identity is a certain pattern that you eventually make uh, that keeps you healthy keeps you on the right ways if it's done correctly so a little jump to the eating disorder part. Did you know that around 46% of the ch- children can have an eating disorder if there are certain risk factors that are there around them? So this sounds a little bit abstract, but I'm going to bring you into a little bit of five points. And if these five points are there, 
there is around 46% more chance of you developing an eating disorder. So one of them is the genetic component. And that is something that I personally have because my mother's side of the family had eating disorders and the side of my dad as well. So that genetic part can definitely be something that will make sure that, yeah, a chance of having an eating disorder is way bigger. And the second part is environmental factors. And guys, even if you have the whole floppy disk of genetics in you that can activate, it can only activate when your environmental factors are there to trigger that. And if you have a mom that's obsessed with her body, she's afraid to gain weight, she's afraid that you will gain weight as a child, it really is triggering for those genes to actually come alive if i would take my mother my mom is a lady of fashion um i know she's always very busy with her weight um i wouldn't actually say and that is maybe it sounds strange but i wouldn't blame her in any means or in any way of me having had an eating disorder also not the industry where we work in because for me it was that i failed in something very bad and I couldn't get my flow back and I didn't know who I was anymore, what activated for me my eating disorder. So although she was always there, although she had her certain way of eating uh, and a certain way of thinking about body types or um, what is held and what is not held, um, it never influenced me. But when I got my eating disorder, I went looking on, you know, how is this put together what are the puzzles that made me be who I am and I found that this was one of the puzzles that is a component but very small but I just found it interesting to find it out and at some point you know you need to dig a little bit but if you found how you know how and what uh, around everything what you're dealing with eating disorder wise or disordered eating you know it you let it go and you look to the future so you can solve the problem you're in right now so that was something that really was for me very important to okay know that my mom had a little bit to do with it and actually also my gene part like I stated uh, before that uh, my mom the side and dad side had something with it but that was enough for me and now I just wanted to fix it. So another thing is and this is point three and that is um, the interaction between child and mother. Because having a good bond, and I'm not talking about like your mom is just feeding you and then, you know, she's that is not being a mom fully. Then, okay, she's making sure you're getting food, but that emotional bond is also very important because you need both to kind of make sure to diminish the chance of not getting an eating disorder. And a lot of people, especially what I have from the Asian part, is that, because they didn't have any food, for example, or less food, or any chances education-wise, that is something what my Asian part of the family really focused on. So they want to make sure that the kid got you know, food, that you can study, and have a stable job, and then you're good. But that other part of the emotional connection about you know um, having a connection with your mom, or making sure that you have connections with other ones it was very poorly managed. And when you have that, you have way more risk for an eating disorder. And people who are listening to this and are Asian, um, 
a lot of Asian people have eating disorders just because of the emotions that are not well translated to each other. And yeah, I think it's very poorly that it happens. It's very sad. And I'm very happy that I have in this case a Dutch dad that he gave me a bit more insight about talking about your emotions, how much uh, it is valuable because my mom of course you know she's the businesswoman she is a strong woman a very strong woman but maybe a little bit too strong in this case because uh, this part for me personally looking at it was a little bit underdeveloped and I did my own best uh, with my dad to actually develop that a bit more so I went from cold <laughs> like how do you call it ice queen to very emotional queen that's <laughs> crying if she for example see a YouTube video of a monkey eating an egg so just like that so don't think if you're in that vase now that it's not possible to change that another thing and that's point four is being a role model you know, a mom with an eating disorder or without an eating disorder or any other caretaker for you that is with you most of the time is at some point a role model. And when a mom has an eating disorder or one of your other caretakers, it's very hard to be a good role model because you're fighting your own battle while needing to support a child in learning and their eating behaviors. So that is one of the threatening things that uh, actually induces uh, in the development of an eating disorder for a child. Another thing is, and that is point five, and I think this is one is very important because parents who are making a lot of, you know, um, fights in front of their children, um, please be aware of the fact how problematic that could be on a child. Because your problems that you're facing with your partner are not the problems of your child. If you have any marital, prob poof, marital problems, wow, God, my English, or any other fights, do not include your child to it. Don't make them fully oblivious from it as well. Because I believe the moment you keep your child in this bubble that nobody fights and they come into a fight or something like that, that that is not good as well because they do not know how to be defending themselves vocabulary wise but don't bring every fight you have with your partner in front of your child it is one of the stupidest things you can do as parents i believe it is so unnecessary and especially depending on the age of the child you're bringing them in so much more stressor and so much more panic and maybe also loneliness uh, because this isn't this isn't something that you just like address with one of your classmates uh, or your teacher it's very uh, heavy on the shoulders of a child so these were the five points that actually can induce for 46 percent guys having an eating disorder as a child because of the way your mom or parents in general or your environment uh, do you bad and again genetics environment the interaction between mom and child uh, being a role model and having relationship problems as parents so what do you need as a child or as a person that is listening to this you know as long as your mother or your caretaker is there i'm still 
um, seeing you as a child. Everybody is a child of someone. So I'm although you're maybe 40 and listening to this, I'm still going to call you a child. <laughs> so what does a child need to have a little bit of basic safety on developing new eating habits or developing a more safer place mentally for them? And before I'm going to read that up, I want to make a little bit of a disclaimer. And that is some things can be fixed and some things cannot be fixed. But if you cannot hit everything of the list that I'm actually now telling to you, it's not, you know, the world is not falling apart. Like if you cannot fix something anymore or if there's no opportunity for that, focus on the things that you can do. Because if you do that, you are already... um bettering your relationship with food that has been tempered by your environment so one of the things that really could help if you are in that place is building up an emotional connection between your mom or your parents as a child and some people can do that some people cannot do that depending on how stubborn the parent is or the parents but it really helps for example i did that as well and it really changes your relationship with food because food gets a whole other place in your mind than um how would you say that it will Oh, I'm not coming out of my words. Food is getting a whole other place in your mind than it used to be when you didn't have that connection. And maybe people won't see the link, but if I would give an example, let's say that I have uh, seen my mother use food as a coping when she was sad. So I took that coping over and uh, now I'm eating when I'm sad. So if I make sure that uh, she couldn't talk about her feelings, I couldn't talk about uh, my feelings. So now we talked about her feelings and I see and she sees how we deal with it now by talking uh, through it, through it, for it, about it. And it actually makes us wanting the food less for that situation and we start to make and form new habits. So that part is very important. Another thing is, is... Um, make a safe space where your child can explore the world. Um, that sounds a little bit abstract. And I know it sounds abstract because it is kind of abstract. Because for everybody else, a safe space is something different for your child to explore the world. You know, um, it could be even exploring with food. Like, uh, make sure that if, you're, if she, your child is doing something new... For example, you have a little baby now or like toddler and they're trying something new that um, they like it. Uh, you like it as well. You know, mm, what a nice, um, let's say, uh, children cookie. And they are like happy about it. Encourage them. If they're trying mango for the first time, encourage them. That type of safe space. And do not, for example, if your, uh, how would you say that your teenager is eating chips uh, for the first time or a bit more than normal don't give backlash on your eating like a pig or something like that so these safe environments of development around food are very important another thing is is that if you i think you really do not need a parent for this in my personal opinion but uh, if you are in the state of being a parent and your children are still around you, show them that you have the habit to look at possibilities and that you're a problem solver. Because if you show that, then there you show indirectly 
other ways to deal with emotions and problems than going around and eating too much or eating too less. Another thing is, is, and this is something that I like to do because although I'm 25, I sometimes feel like I'm 40 because I share my life knowledge with my clients a lot. Uh, I've had a lot of BS in the last few eight to 10 years and I really share that with them because if you do not do that, you are not helping them out fully. You do, you're not giving them that heads up, you know, as for example... If a client loses weight or wants to lose weight and says, you know, I want to hit this weight and after that I want to um, stay stable, I just give them the, the, the heads up, you know, on, okay, so uh, losing weight, it involves this. Mostly it's quite hard to stay on the same weight because you do not get the knowledge from people, other fellow co-workers of mine on how to do that. So I'm just going to tell you how I do that when we are there. So you're not, you know, surprised. So that type of things, I'll just tell them. And also what my experiences is, you know, are in those fields. So that is so important. Giving those life um, lessons to other people. A good example of that is the South... uh, (laughs) This is so funny to do. The site Proud to Be Me. Uh, Proud to Be Me is actually, in my personal opinion, a site full with life lessons when it comes to eating disorders. People who write there are either recovered or are in recovery. And they will tell you, you know, this is what I um, faced. This is how I handled it. And it may work for you or it may not work for you. But it's always good to look for a little bit of a teacher or a master uh, look although critical to them, on something you can cherry pick out of their experiences. Another thing is, and this is so important, and this is something I did not fully get in my personal opinion, and that is getting structure and... uh, (laughs) Getting structure in the way you're raised. So structure is needed. A child needs structure, an adult needs structure, a teenager needs structure, and old person i do not know the word anymore in english a uh, person that's high on a high my god guys <sighs> a senior i was looking for the word also needs structure as well so the structure is like having three meals a day having two snacks uh, having some movement exercise making sure that you do your homework stuff like that you know and it's so important uh, as a person like i just stated before i didn't get a lot of structure uh, what is somewhat freeing because you do get another perspective on life on not being that go 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 but Personally, I definitely in my eating disorder, I needed structure to just get through the day, get that eating done, uh, wanted to do other stuff and also making a a bit of me time for for me as well. Because of that non-structure, I was, for example, always working while I could also be doing fun stuff or developing stuff and you name it. So get structure in your life either you're now 40 listening this you're 15 you're 60 i do not care but you need a certain amount of structure and you can start for example with your meals you can start by putting an alarm to like stand up around eight or nine so that you're not sitting in your bed till noon just these little things will make such a big difference and the last thing i want to add to that is having 
a social network. And I'm not meaning like social media or that you're going to business places to meet people that like LinkedIn type of social network, but just make sure you experience different people and not in a dangerous way, but experience different people so you get a little bit more of life knowledge, life experience. And you can also really benefit from a social network if you are maybe in need of something or somebody had a certain experience with someone and maybe you need to talk with that person or want to ask for advice. So these ways are, at least social networking in this way can be very beneficial for your own mental health. Uh, it isn't, you know, the thing is, is when I have social network in my own mind, I mostly think about getting a job or something related. But the truth is that is not the whole case. The social networking is also just to meet nice people, to share moments and getting new friends, getting new insights and more. So if you have that same thought, uh, it's not fully the case. It's for more than just work. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was something that I needed to put out there. Um. I'm thinking about something. I Did I really said everything that I wanted to say? No, there's one thing I still wanted to say. So in a little sum up, I told you a little bit of the story about my boss. I told you a little bit of my story. I told you about the 46% of uh, chances of getting an eating disorder. If these five points are uh, in your life. Um, I told you what the basics are what you need to make sure that if you're listening to this as a parent or as a child, um, yeah, that you can reduce the the chances of having an eating disorder or maybe reduce the symptoms now while you're having an eating disorder. And the little thing that I wanted to add to this is you do not have to do it alone. And that is not like my, I know it sounds so cheesy, but it is the truth, like you do not have answers on everything, hence that life experience, what I was talking about. You do not have maybe all the possibilities to fix this. Uh, so if you are in that situation that you can find somebody to help you, a counselor on your school, uh, maybe a psychiatrist, maybe your GP, um, maybe a dietitian, you really should take that chance with both hands to change it because if your quality of life is now not fully okay because of the way your external environment and then specifically your mom or your caretaker of anybody else have taught you to eat a way that you do not feel happy with or to think a certain way about bodies or you name it it is definitely worth fixing because i have had countless 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 of clients and the first thing i always ask is how was uh, what did you learn about food from your home and the reason why i ask that is because i can see if there's a diet mentality or not and if i feel like i hear that coming true when we're talking i already know that this has a little bit more of a tail than uh, a person that just wants to lose weight because of uh, let's say uh, a very busy job and couldn't find structure because somebody uh, got a child and you know the whole chaos so really 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 take it seriously because these 
influences that you may not have noticed make a very big deal of your identity around food, how you treat it. And you can always change that habit, that identity of the way you treat food and how you use it, how, how you eat it, you name it. And that is something that I would like to give you with this podcast episode. I think that I hope at least this was clear. I hope you enjoyed this one. And next week in episode 11, I'm thinking, no, it's episode 12 already. Oh, God, guys. Um, I'm with Jacqueline Davis. And Jacqueline um, is a person that does the Binge Breaker uh, podcast. She has uh, the Binge Break binge breaker wow god it's a (laughs) a tongue twist uh binge breaker company and she is an experienced expert in having bulimia and how to fix that on a not traditional way so i am very excited for that and i hope you are as well and i'll see you next week Thank you for listening to the I'm Stuff podcast. If you would like to know more, you can go to imstuff.nl or to the Instagram imstuff underscore com and start working on your relationship with food today.